Principal Matters Podcast, episode 213. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week, we bring you innovative, imaginative, and inspiring ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about pause, breathe, flourish, living your best life as an educator, a review with my friend, Dr. Jeff Springer. Dr. Jeff Springer was a guest on this podcast just a few weeks ago, and Dr. Jeff Springer is the former Texas Secondary Principal of the Year and longtime principal at Magnolia High School just outside of Houston, Texas. And Jeff, welcome back to Principal Matters Podcast. Thanks for stepping into this conversation with me. And I'd like to just set the stage before we get going here. Several weeks ago, you were generous enough to read my an early release of my book and to write an endorsement that is in the book. And you also called me and just said, Will, can I reflect with you on the lessons I'm learning from this read? And we spent probably, we should have recorded right then because we spent an hour just like unpacking all of these things that both of us shared in common in these experiences for school leaders and so, and for educators in general. And so, I just wanted to circle back around and you were so generous to reconnect with me and record this conversation so that might be a benefit for others who are thinking about in their own practice how do I lead in a way where I'm investing in my own growth so that I can still have the strength to invest in others. So first of all, welcome back. It's great to see you. And uh, and I'm just going to kind of flip the tables in this conversation and give you the mic a little bit to talk about your experience in reading this book and unpacking some of your best takeaways, but also being uh, able to just ask me some questions too, uh, since I've written it, but it's uh, one that's also fun for me to hear other people's reflections about it. You, you bet. You bet. Well, I'm just, again, it was an honor to be on the show the first time and then to be asked to come back a second time uh, is what I think every uh, guest hopes for. Um, you know, first of all, when you asked me, Will, to endorse your book, I thought, okay, uh, well, you know, that probably means I need to read it. So, <laughs> so you sent me the draft. Um, and so I got on an airplane and in a two and a half hour flight, I almost completed, I think I was about 10 pages short uh, when we landed. And then of course I finished it that night. And, and for me, let me just tell you that if anybody knows, my wife would tell you that is an amazing endorsement because I have books all over this house that I have started, but I have not finished. So for me to, I mean, I couldn't wait. I could not wait to turn the page. And because I know you and because I know your voice, I actually heard your voice as I was reading uh, the book. And, um, and so, uh, I, so I have a little advantage there. Of course, lots of people know you and hear you on this podcast and so forth and through your relationships that you have all over the country and, the, and so forth and you're speaking. So, um, so I'm just excited. I'm excited to talk about, I love to talk about things that I'm passionate about and, and I'm passionate about your book. And Thank because you, it, spoke, it spoke to me in so, so many ways. I think if you remember, I texted you before we even took off. I had started reading the preface and I think I went to page two on your preface and I already 
uh, read something that just hit me right between the eyes. I mean, and I just had to text you and say, oh my gosh, you know, um, well, how do you expect me to get through this book when I can't even get out of the preface without taking a, taking the pause in the, in, you know, that you talk about and breathe and flourish. So anyway, mm -hmm. so it's exciting to talk about your book today. Well, one of the things that you said to me, thank you, Jeff, for all of that feedback. One of the things that you said to me that surprised me, Jeff, is because um, I'm, I'm, I'm a former writing teacher. So, you know, language arts was my passion before I stepped into school administration. So being able to combine the world of writing with the world of education and education leadership has been such a joy for me. But you picked up on something that you pointed out to me in terms of my writing construction that, frankly, I was surprised. And, um, and, and something that I was intentional about, though, in trying to help readers to do exactly what you said you did, which is finish a read, because I'm the same way. I pick up so many books that I might make it through the first few chapters or halfway through, but getting to the end sometimes is really difficult. And I don't know if you remember your conversation with me about the way that each chapter is constructed, but um, but I'd love to hear your feed. Like I'd love listeners to hear your feedback on how that was helpful for you in this read. Well, you you it was almost like every chapter was a little tease because you you. Uh, unveiled a part of your uh, your life or an experience whether it was with your family member or um, you know or, or in a, a on-the-job experience or maybe a speaker or a book that you read but then you you left it and then you finished the story at the end and uh, you wrapped it up and I, I think and literally that's what you you say you know so um, and so that it was it was enough to, to turn, get you to turn the page. And, uh, but because as Paul Harvey said, you, you know, the rest of the story, uh, if any of the listeners out there or are old enough to remember Paul Harvey, but he used to turn the page and say the rest of the story. And I think that's with anticipation that you created is why I, I plus I have to say personally, your life, and your career and your transition were so similar to, to mine. And so I so identify with so many things that you were talking about, but I, I believe that's not going to be unusual for our readers mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I agree. And, and by the way, Paul Harvey is originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma. So there, there may be some connection there. You know, maybe I was getting the Paul Harvey vibe on that, but you're right, Jeff. And I'm so glad you said that because I think so often when we lead principals are notorious for leading in isolation because we are the principal, you know, we're the leader in a building or maybe there's two or three school leaders within a building, but you can very easily feel alone. And I think what's so powerful about my story, your story, and any listener who's, who's listening to this is that our stories are way more similar than they're different. Mm. Um, there's so much similarity in, in the, in the challenges and the opportunities that we have each day. I would love for you to un just unpack, and I know it's, it was so funny, Jeff, when you called me because you had literally so many post-it notes yes. that were tagged into this book yeah. that it was it was just yeah. so entertaining to to see how many notes you had written and how many things you had posted. And you and I had both said, "There's no way we could probably unpack this in 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 an episode." But I would love for you to just to pull out some of the things as you were reading it that you were like, "Ah, this is an aha," or "This is a I'm going to keep this uh, lesson." close to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I told you that I had earmarked uh, 24 of the initial 130 pages. And then 
I went back and out of those 24, um, I earmarked, like I folded the, literally folded the page in half, which meant that there was those 24 were amazing, but the 17 were the things that really, and so when I went back, uh, my, to prepare for today, I, I went back and actually highlighted, and then I put sticker, sticky notes on those pages to, you know, to write, you know, potential possible questions. So, um, you know, the, the thing that, you know, the thing that I always do when I open a book is quite frankly, is I always, for some reason, I don't know, I love to go to the dedication page. And so, uh, cause I like this, cause to me, I think that who the author dedicates the book to, and I know this is way out there, but is important to me because I know, cause your heart, uh, and, and your heart is in the book and that you dedicated your book to, to your parents. I know this is your fourth book and I haven't gone back to look at your other dedications, but, uh, to Jesse and Polly, your parents and, um, so, so, I mean, I just was going to ask you, you know, so you, did you, you grew up in Oklahoma? Yeah. You know, Jeff, you're, you're so kind to ask me about my mom and dad. Um, my mom and dad live in Northwest Tennessee in a small town, just out, you know, actually on a farm, just outside of a small town called Paris, Tennessee. And that's where I grew up. My dad was um, in and out of the military when I was uh, young. So I was born in San Diego, but he got out of the military when I was five and moved back to the place where he and my mother had both grown up, rural Northwest Tennessee. Dad had dropped out of high school when he was a, a junior and joined the Navy as a 17-year-old and then earned his GED on, on the ship. And my mother finished high school and immediately went to work. And when dad uh, left the Navy and came back, they married and, and began farming with my my grandfather and and my uncle. And several years later, um, before I was born, my dad went back into the military. Um, and so, um, uh, I, it, and so when I was when I was born into the military and we moved back to Tennessee, they were reestablishing their roots there in that hometown. So you know, my my growing up years were gravel roads and rambling fields and creeks and. Uh, farm animals, and um, riding in the back of pickup trucks and sitting on the top of of, of hay trucks in the summer, and swimming in creeks, uh, and is my pastime. And uh, when I went to school, it was a forty-five minute bus drive to get to the rural little district school that I attended from kindergarten through eighth grade. And when I went to high school. Uh, it was a large county school in Tennessee. All the, the high schools are consolidated. And so I went from the small rural school with about 35 other kids in my grade to a school with 1,800 kids. And so it was this huge culture shock. And then the next culture shock was when um, my dad decided to re-enlist and took us to New York and Virginia and then back to Tennessee. And then I came to Oklahoma. So when I dedicate that book to my mom and dad, it it, it comes from a place of watching two people who found such incredible contentment wherever they were and always created for us, no matter during times of want or times of plenty, they always created a safe place for us to be nurtured. Um, I didn't realize until I was a teacher what a title one kid was. And so it wasn't until I was an educator that I realized, you know, when I'm starting to look at the free and reduced lunch numbers and, and the title programs that that was me. You know, I was I was always that kid that qualified growing up uh, because of the place that we lived and, and the limited income that my family had, and so um so when I when I wrote this book, and I was thinking about um you know how to 
you know, the deep, I think no matter where you are, no matter how much money you make or your degree or, or what success, quote unquote, you find in life, um, there's just such an amazing gift that you can find in being content. Mm. And that was the gift that my parents gave me. So um, you're the first person who's asked me that question. So thanks what, for asking me that. What a great tribute. And obviously, um, you know, they, I know they've got to be so proud of, of, their, of their son. And um, anyway, so that, thanks for sharing all that. And some of the things that you just described in your childhood, it, it, it ties into some of the, I can tell this the reason uh, behind some of the things that you wrote about that we'll talk about in a minute. You wrote in your Ford, I, have no, I had no idea that this book would be published during one of the most pivotal moments in the history of modern education. I mean, how, you know, obviously you started writing this book before 2020, you finished it during a pandemic. Um, so what was the, what was the motivation for this book? Um, mm -hmm. as you began to, to put words on paper? Yeah. Well, you know, it's really odd how long sometimes you write a book before it's ever published. So it was actually 2017 when I began to just write down the content that would become this book. And Jeff, frankly, it was because of a consistent conversation I kept having over and over and over again with leaders. You know, when I began to train principals and, and do new principals um, workshops or travel to speak on the other books that I had written, I would often survey an audience or a group to, of, of principals and just ask them for feedback on where are areas where you want more growth it's a consistent question I ask. And they would often give me things like organizational management, or I want to be a better decision maker, or I want to be a better uh, listener. But man, consistently over and over again, I kept hearing people that would identify, I need to figure out how to help grow individually. Like I, I'm struggling as an individual, like all these other things are important. But what about me? You know, I'm, I'm losing myself in the process of being a leader. And that was my experience. And, and you know that because you've read the book and you know me personally. But um, so that was the motivation. I wanted to create a book that, um, frankly, would live on after me. I've written a lot of other books that, um, that, that are about culture and about um, practical ideas for school leadership. But this one was really, I would say, more of a heart book, uh, a book that I think would apply to anybody, whether they're in education or out of education, on the places in your life where consistent investment helps you grow as a person. Well, you go right into that uh, in chapter one with your title that says, when a crisis hit, who hits, who breathes first? And you talk up, you describe, and I borrowed that story, by the way, um, uh, you know, the, the flight attendant who talks about placing your oxygen mask on your face first mm. uh, before taking care of others. And uh, so many times as administrators, we, we just run in um, to that proverbial burning building or what have you, because that's just because we want, because we, we, at this level, we are serving. I mean, continuing to serve. We've made a choice by now, by this point, that we're in, and in most cases, uh, it's because we care about other people. So, how how hard is it? Why did you think that was a message that be, that we needed to hear? That administrators needed to hear. Yeah, well, it was a message I thought others needed to hear because I needed to hear it. You know, when I was a young administrator and I was investing so much time in my school that my wife had to have that really serious conversation with me and tell me that I was becoming a shell of the man that I used to be. I realized then that um, I was running the risk of 
losing myself in the process of being a leader. And, and I've talked to lots of other people, Jeff, who have confided in me as they look back at their school leadership, both the things that they appreciated about it, but also the resentments or regrets they had. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't want to be, to look back at my time in school leadership. Um, I, it's inevitable that you always have some regrets. I mean, cause none of us are perfect, but I wanted to be able to look back and, and make sure I hadn't lost myself in the process. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, um, so it, it's taken a long time. It's not something that you just discover how to do. And then you're suddenly you've arrived. None of us arrives, but I believe that, um, but there are ways that we can invest in ourselves, in our health, in our uh, mental capacity, in our mindset, in our relationships, in our spiritual growth, even in the way that we manage our finances, all of those things are a part of who we are. And if we're not paying attention to each of those areas of our lives, uh, then I think burnout is inevitable. Mm-hmm. So when, you, when I read um, that your wife has this conversation with you, uh, first of all, I thought how, you know, how amazing and how um, blessed you are to have a, a, a life partner that is going to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so often in a relationship that just, that just gets stuffed and then, and then it comes out later. And when she said, the kids and I have decided you, you're a dad and a husband only on the weekends. And, you know, Will, I think you, like you mentioned, are a shell of a man that you used to be. Man, how did that make you feel? I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, it was devastating because it was true. And, uh, and, and that's why, you know, that the, the night of that conversation was the night I wrote my resignation letter mm. and took it to work and put it on my desk on the folder right in the corner so I could see it every day. And I told myself, I'm either going to find a new way to do this work and still invest in my family and in my own personal growth and my own health, or I'm going to hand in this resignation letter at the end of the school year. I'm going to go find a different profession. I can work at Home Depot and still provide for my family. Um, but if I'm going to stay in school leadership, I've got to be able to do it and, and stay um, connected to who I am as, as a person. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that wasn't a silver bullet, Jeff. I mean, it took me a long time to, to, to reconnect with some of those things I'd forgotten to do, like, like actually eating healthy lunch or engaging people in conversations that weren't just school related or getting up early in the mornings and exercising again and, um, and taking time to spiritually nourish um, and, and reconnecting with my family in ways that meant that I had to leave work sometimes, even when I didn't have all the work done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really hard for school leaders, but you know what, that work will be there tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. but your kid, but your kids may not be, yeah. um, may not be there when you get home, if you don't get home early enough. Absolutely. Yeah. That really hit me because I've had that, I had that conversation with myself in regards to, I remember when I was first an assistant principal, I was, I think only I I was only an assistant principal four years before I became an associate principal. But um, I remember telling myself I was going to have to find a different way to do this assistant principal role that I was going to have to do it a different way. Uh, Even if it meant more work, I was going to have to create something, some other things that were tied to my passion Mm -hmm. besides just being the fireman. 
you know. Yeah, I love that. That reminds me of something that one of our mastermind members said recently, Jeff, because you and I are sharing a mastermind together too, which is so much fun. Thank you so much for being a part of that. Yeah. But she but she asked the question, um, I, I won't quote her name because I don't have permission, but, but she asked the question to another member of, when's the last time you did something that brought you joy? Mm. And I thought, that's such a great question because that is exactly what you're saying. We have to figure out, even in the hardest seasons, like right now, I can't imagine a harder season for principles, but at the end of the day, is there something you've done that still brings you joy? Because that's where you're going to keep your motivation and your work. Yeah, absolutely. How many times have you not gotten to the bottom of your list because you had disruptions, but, but you had some powerful conversations and you, you know, you walked out of your building that day, uh, not getting all your tasks done, but thinking, you know what, this is what it's really all about. Mm -hmm. And this is what I should be doing more of. And yet we, we revert right back to those sometimes task lists and so forth. So you talk about, I love, I love it when you, there are two things in chapter two that really resonated with me because you talk about your, your grandmother uh, or your mom and you taking your daughter and making a trip to see grandma mm -hmm. and this, the, the play, the dad's playlist. And the time that you spent, it was sweet to me, not only because you were going to see taking your daughter to visit your mom and, and, and the readers can read more about that, the specifics of that, but the, I, but then also having time with your daughter and your daughter having the dad's playlist. And then later on you ask the question and you, so you have fun and you play together and you build that relationship. And again, that's outside work and you're being the dad and all those kind of things and also taking care of mom and then sharing that with your daughter. All those things combined, just, I, I love that. Uh, but you, then you ask the question, what is on your mental playlist? Can, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, you know, Jeff, I know that you and I are people of faith. And so there's, um, there's a really great um, line in scripture that talks about um, the importance of renewing your mind. And, um, and I, I'm often reminded of that because we live in such a time of so much information, so much misinformation, so much distraction, so much social media um, time. And it's really easy to let other people place into your own mind the thoughts that they want you to have. And I think it's really important for leaders to, to take control and capture what you want to be in your mind. And so I, I, so the reason I, I ask people what's on your mental playlist is because often the things that you're placing into your mind, they're going to inevitably influence your, your heart and your emotions, and then they're going to be demonstrated in your actions and behavior. And so it's a challenge to, especially for school leadership, because you, you encounter a lot of situations that inevitably are hard. Um, I mean, especially when you're, when you're managing the most difficult moments with other people too, you're sometimes you're, um, you're counseling parents in really tough situations. You're the one who's called upon if there's a tragedy or a crisis in your school to, to walk through those things together. But if the only thing that your mind is taking in is, is the crisis or, or the information that other people are giving you, and you're not taking time to also place into your mind things that are, that are healthy and positive, that are, um, perhaps role models that other people. So, so I give some practical examples, I think in that chapter, just about what are you reading? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you, what music are you listening to? Mm -hmm. um, 
where are, what kind of podcasts do you, do you check into when you're commuting? Because those things that you're placing into your, they're going to come out mm-hmm. at some point. And so that's why I just think it's really powerful for us to visit what's on our own mental playlist, because what we're placing in our minds is, is going to come out in our actions. That's, that's great. That's great. The other thing that I was, uh, that was a, a huge point for me um, I, was the mindset and mindfulness. You know, I think we talk a lot about in education, the mindset, but going, in my opinion, even deeper that to be, have mindfulness, to be aware, to acknowledge your environment. And you talk about that, the ideas of mindset and mindfulness. Talk, talk a little bit about why that's important. Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make in education is just doing our job and then forgetting the purpose of why we're doing our job. And I'll give you an example of that. When, as an education leader, you step into a classroom, for instance, for, for a classroom observation, for a long time, I would, I would consistently make a mistake of immediately pulling out a checklist and start just going through the things I'm normally looking for in a classroom so that I'm being consistent. And I don't remember when it happened, but at one point I was challenged to just stop before I pull out a checklist, before I start going through any observation notes and just look into the faces of students and look around the room and listen and get a sense of the emotion that was being, that's, that's happening in that place. And once you're mindful of those things, you're, you're looking for those kinds of feedback, then, then you actually have a productive observation, you know? So, so when I, when I put the list aside and first actually set in the moment and the same thing happens when someone comes to talk to you, you know how busy you are as a leader. And sometimes you can have like several interruptions and requests all happening at the same time. But someone told me years ago to, even in the busiest moment, try to give someone at least 60 seconds of undivided attention, not looking at your phone mm-hmm. when they, when they step into a conversation with you. And today that's even harder than ever, you know, because of, because of how many distractions that there are, but there's something powerful that happens when you take time to slow your own mind down and be in the moment. I also think it makes you more grateful uh, because it, when you, when you take time to actually look around, that's one of my favorite things to do in school is to stand in a room. And Jeff, you know, I've talked about this too, you know, those, those moments where you're just simply observing and sometimes it's supervision. What a lost moment. If all you're doing is just standing there observing and you don't take time to actually look across the faces of those kids, search for moments of meaning, reach out and reconnect with somebody that you haven't seen in a while and remember that, th- that this is also why you're there. It's not a distraction from your work. It is your work. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so for me, I think mindfulness is such a powerful part of, of, um, of finding meaning in, in, the, in, in, in the work that you do every day. I think that I have done some of that. I just don't think I, I love that you gave it, you've given me the vocabulary for it. And so um, I just, I felt like as, as the high school principal, one of my jobs was to remind, especially in the spring semester of seniors, uh, final semester, the countdown was that, you know, no, don't count days, make every day count is what I used to tell them. Do not, because you, hopefully, you're not going to come this way again. You're only a senior one time. And um, 
that's why I feel so bad for some of these kids last year and, and maybe even this year with this pandemic. You cannot recreate those experiences. And I used to, that, those are the times of the year at the beginning and at the end, the culmination, you know, all the celebrations. But enjoy those. Be, ha, ha, be mindful. Have mindfulness. I love that vocabulary and that to, to remind us all to be, to be present today. And not only today, but now. Yeah, and I can't imagine how much harder that is in schools for those that are, for, for principal matters listeners, for those of you that are in places where now you're masked or your staff is masked and your students are masked and so much of that expression and emotion and affection that sometimes you could give, whether it's a high five or, or a quick smile to somebody. Um, and so, um, but even in even in moments where, you're, even in moments where students are masked, this morning, you know, I, when I'm in the Tulsa area, Jeff, I office from a school that gives us space for the organization that I work for. And this morning as I was driving in, I saw two middle school boys that were walking up the lawn to the school and both of them had placed their masks on. And I took just a moment as I was driving in to watch them walk. You know, there's just something so funny about 14-year-olds. <laughs> They're just so lanky and they haven't quite like discovered their own walk yet, their cadence. And I took just a moment to just kind of soak it in that this is, this is their moment in life, that, that, that this is that little moment in life that they're never going to have again for this middle school experience. And for as weird as it sounds, I just found joy in watching these guys walking into school. And, and I think we've, we've got to take time to do that um, because kids know when we delight in, in being with them. Mm, mm, yeah, can't kid a kid, can you? So you talk about, I love this, and I think this is so important for principals to hear this and to be reminded of this. You, um, even, in, even in the title of your podcast, I love it, Principal Matters. You know, Principal Matter, well, however you want to say it. You matter. Principals, you matter. And so many times I can, I've caught myself not being... Uh, using my mindfulness, wondering if I am, if I did matter, you know, in this middle of this cafeteria of 800 students, am I really making a difference? We all have those struggles. We all have those thoughts. But this research that she shared uh, talks about um, from NAESP and NASSP shared research showing how principal leadership ranked second only to the quality of teachers in significantly affecting school outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, and then you go into talking about takeaways of increasing your positive influence. Um, why, you know, why did you include that in this book? Yeah, you know, that reminds me of a story, Jeff. When I was recognized as Oklahoma's assistant principal of the year way back in the day, when and you were shortly afterwards recognized as the Texas state principal of the year. So we've had a similar experience of being able to travel to Washington, D.C., being in a room of 50 other, 49 other state winners. And um, frankly, that was a life-changing experience for me for several reasons. Um, But one of the reasons was is because as I was sitting in that room and I was listening to each person's story and recognizing the distinct differences of each person's experience, what I was also thinking was going through my mind was I'm sitting in a room full of world changers. You know, every person in this room represents a school community. 
And the ability that they have to positively or negatively influence that is profound. And what, I, what I've realized about most school leaders is they forget that. They forget that their influence every single day is not just a one-on-one. I mean, that's important. One-on-one relationships matter just as much as one-on-hundred. But in a lot of cases, it's a one to 500 or it's a one to 1,000 or it's a one to whatever the number is. You probably had 2,000 kids at your school or more. You know, and so um, that, it's one of the reasons I get so excited about um, sharing this podcast every week because, you know, I might have two or 3,000 downloads a week of this podcast. And in the podcast world, that's kind of small. But if each of those leaders represents 100 kids or 1,000 mm-hmm. kids, I mean, we could be affecting, we could literally be influencing in these conversations right now a million students across the U.S. Because if, if and when leaders remember that what they do is so important. And so, um, so yeah, I, I don't know if that answered your question, but it's, it's definitely a motivation for me. That's one of the reasons I've continued doing this year after year, because I want that message to be, I want someone reminding principals that, that what they're doing is so incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. And in chapter four, you had, you had me almost, I, I had to just stop because you started talking about this, um, you know, how many days, you know, the title is called your time. Are you making the most of each moment? And you referred uh, referenced, I believe it was an author who talked about, you know, the average lifespan is 75 years. And if that's, if we're blessed to live 75 years, it's 27,375 total days. And then, you know, of course you pulled out your calculator. I think at that time you were 51 and you had, you know, X, Y, uh, number of days. I did the same thing. I'm 61. So I was at 54 something and counting and that again left if I lived to 75. And so, um, I started thinking about, okay, so as a father, as a dad, we, we may have 18 years before they leave us. And so that's only 6,570 days. So, uh, that we have this influence on a kid under our roof and as a teacher, uh, we are even, it's even less. Uh, I used to tell the seniors that, again, when I was visiting with the seniors, I would say, you've been in school since approximately, you know, it was like 2,300 and something days. And now it's down to 40. I mean, you thought when you were a freshman, it would never get here. And here we are. And I stood in that room and told your parents it's going to be the fastest four years of their, you know, of, of their kids' lives. And, it, and they look up and here we are. And so what are you doing with your time? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that. And, and there's some things I'd like to unpack about that, Jeff. But I'm, actually, I'm going to tell Principal Matters listeners that they're going to have to listen to another episode because I'm going to pause right now and remind listeners that you can stay connected with this conversation, obviously, by listening to this podcast. But um, if you, and, and you can find a link to the book on my website too. But, but Jeff, I'm going to wrap up this conversation because I want to make sure that we have some time to unpack more for next week. And so Principal Matters listeners, you just got to hear a 30 strong, 30 plus minutes of Jeff asking me questions that I didn't even know you're going to go there, Jeff. These are just such great questions. Thank you so much. But I want to just wrap up this week by just letting Principal Matters listeners know that um, this conversation isn't so that you go buy my book. This conversation is so that you can be reflecting on your own practice, your own mindfulness, 
your own perspectives and your own priorities. And if nothing else you get out of this conversation this week, we want you to know that what you do is so important because what you do matters. And Jeff, you want to say goodbye until next time? Oh, again, it's been a joy. And I, oh my gosh, I get to come back again for the third round. So uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, please join us. And um, thank you, Will, for this opportunity. Thank you for uh, your words of encouragement and your words of wisdom. Thank you, Jeff. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.